Hey, we're good. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Underrated but Confident, Season 2, Episode 6. We are back, ready to roll. Uh, tonight, we're going to do NBA's Top 10, what they just uh, released not too long ago. So uh, we're going to go over there and give our personal opinions on what we think um, and all that. We got UFC uh, Fight Night on tonight. Uh, so that's pretty awesome. We're watch I'm watching that right now as we speak. So kind of... Uh, Multitasking here, gentlemen. But uh, other than that, how's your guys' week's been? Jimmy, how's your week been, man? Pretty good. Got a fresh cut. Hey. Fresh haircut. Fresh haircut. Need that. <laughs> Need that. Oh, my gosh. It felt so good. Walked in the barbershop, and I was like, dude, my ass has missed this chair. Like, let me just, <laughs> so much. Let me just sit here for a minute, Isaac. Start sweating oh, a little bit. Get the, uh, get the fumes of the aroma yes. around me and – just enjoy this. And so it was nice, you know, kind of went there after hours and no one else was there. So it was me, Candy, and Isaac. Drank some beers and talked and got my haircut all done did. Played golf yesterday at Stonewall for the first time. Second time going this year, first time at Stonewall. Phenomenal golf course. It felt like I was putting on a pool table, though. Those greens were incredibly <laughs> fast. And they said they were only rolling about a 9 or a 10, which is I was like, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay like man, 12. Yeah. yeah, I was like, yeah, no way. That was a nine. Keep lying. And uh, <laughs> then, you know, the starter comes out and says, all right, boys, you know, you're at the tee. Y'all have fun. Stay safe, blah, blah, blah. Put some sunscreen on. It's supposed to be a little warm. Stay hydrated. And it was like, cool, full bear, and we're good. Sunscreen. Um, my ginger ass didn't listen, and I paid the price. I am severely burnt. Oh, I have no. a phenomenal golfer tan, though. Well, that'll soon go away in a couple of days because I'm Irish and I'm ginger and I don't tan. I just go from red to white and, you know, same old, same old. So I'm hurting, but it was fun and it was worth it, by God. <laughs> so I'm good to get out here. Blending in with that red wall behind you there. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And, I'm kind of uh, camouflaged. <laughs> yeah, we, we see your glasses and your beard. That's it. <laughs> exactly. That's all right. right. That's nice host of Burton. Can't see him. Yep. <laughs> Zach, how's your week been, man? Uh, not too bad. Haven't really done much. Just been. I, I hear that. Keeping up with these fights. Hey, man. That's really all I got. Just keeping <laughs> up with these fights and everything. <laughs> right? So many of them. It's, it's all we can really do. But, but Trace, what about you, man? Yeah. Same same quarantine life stuff. Uh, right. Let's see. I, I walked five times today. So that's a good two, three miles total. Uh, Damn. There you go. There is. Not all there is to do, so I mean, heck, I mean, I don't know. I am chowing down some pretty good Tic Tacs right now, Coke flavored Tic Tacs, so that's awesome. pretty good. So other than that, though, that's about it. Hell yeah! I went. I finally got out of the house last night. Went to another person's house, played some board games, got a little, got a little drunk, got a little wild on the Snapchat, you know. Got after it. Yep. Got after it, baby. I was getting an after, after it last night. Good times, but so basically, yeah, living my best life the best I can in this this whole shitty situation so amen but yes, let's just jump right into it so we'll just go ahead and do our nba top 10 we'll kind of um we'll have trace read them off uh or i can't wait you, um, you want to do the espn version in the order then kind of give our own perspective yeah. on them? okay well i'll let you go first i'll go ahead and read on like the top 10 they had and then you can go ahead and go first all right all right all right so espn's nba top 10 they have michael jordan at, well i'll start at 10 sorry they had Shaq at 10 Kobe at nine, Tim Duncan at eight, seven is Larry Bird, Wilt Chamberlain at six, Magic Johnson at five, Bill Russell at four, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at three, LeBron at two, and Michael Jordan at one. So, Trace, go ahead and give us your list. Uh, just 
highlight why you think that's that's your list and why you put them in that order. So, yeah, I mean, as far as just the overall ten players that they chose, that's actually the same ten players I would have in my top ten. It's just the order. Uh, they're they're only three of their positioning of their order is actually what I think is that's my only three of them are consistent for right. me. But uh, so how I have it set up right now, I have at number ten. I have Tim Duncan. Slightly down from slightly down from eight, but it's it, like I said to you all earlier. It's it's such a paper thin margin between these, so it's really not that much of a difference. So number ten, I have Tim Duncan. Number nine, I have Kobe. That's that's the same there as theirs. And then I have Shaq at eight. I think Shaq at ten is entirely too low. Uh, I mean, way too low. So I have him at eight, and he could easily be six or five. It's just just slightly. I give a couple other guys the nod. Uh, and then number seven, I have Larry Bird. That's the same one as theirs as well. Number six, I put Bill Russell, even though, like, I think Shaq is – well, I don't – I kind of know Shaq's a more talented player. <laughs> but I just put Bill Russell at six because I feel like he was a little more influential for his era and, like, he was kind of a little – you know, I don't know. I don't know if influential is the right word, but he's a little more prominent in his day. Uh, so I put him at six just out of respect for what he did back in the day, and he kind of helped pave the way for a lot of bigs and stuff. But at number five, I put Wilt Chamberlain. I mean, just one of the most lethal scorers, lethal just offensive weapons ever, even to be uh, even for a guy that's played 50 or 60 years ago. <laughs> yeah, the, guy, yeah. the guy really could flat out just do it. I mean, he was so good. And then I had number four, I have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, I mean, I think he's got to be in your top five. I mean – had the most, the single most unstoppable shot in NBA history. Uh, won so many. Yes, sir. <laughs> I mean, it's just unstoppable. And I mean, the guy had such a great career with two different, well, primarily two different franchises, too. I mean, it, it was just right. awesome to see how he did. I mean, I would have loved to have been alive to have seen a lot of his prime stuff. Oh, for uh, sure. Yeah. And then at number three, I have Magic Johnson. I mean, like I said, I've said many times, he's the best point guard in NBA history. I think most people are in the same boat there as me. Uh, Magic's just phenomenal. He helped change the game. Him and Larry Bird battling out in the '80s. I mean, that was that's that's a lot of people's favorite era of NBA basketball was the '80s with him in it and him running the show and leading the Lakers, helped leading the Lakers to five championships. So I put Magic at three. I have LeBron at two, just like their order. I mean, the most well-rounded player we've probably ever seen, athletic freak of nature. Uh, I mean, just a, a complete player. There's, there's no denying it. He, he's, he improves every every team he's on is basically better just because he's on it. Uh, I mean, just one of the best of all time, one of the a legend beyond words, really. He's not a Rushmore player. And then number one, I have Michael Jordan. I mean, like I said, I, out of anybody that's ever played, I don't think – well, for me personally, I wouldn't trust anybody with the ball in his hands more than Michael Jordan out of anybody that's ever played the game. I mean, the guy, uh, he's, he's, he was just on another level. I mean, it doesn't matter what who, who you throw at, who you threw at him, what teams came up, he always found a way. Uh, inevitably, he found a way to get past them. It didn't matter. It might have taken a little extra time for a couple of those teams, like the Pistons and so forth, but eventually he got them, and he always did. He kept so many great players from becoming – Champions. I mean, he kept Carl Malone, Charles Barkley, John Stockton, all those guys from being champions, and that's a pretty big testament to his greatness. So, MJ at one. I'm about to say, you're not going to trust Bob Cousy making that game winner? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, Bob Cousy's dumb shooting ass out there? 
Oh boy. <laughs> oh, his form was trash, but it went in almost every time. But yeah, I feel you on that one. Um, Zach, what about you, man? What's your top 10? Uh, so from 10 to 1, I went Bill Russell at 10. Uh, the, the list is kind of so close that that's really an interchangeable one. Right. Uh, I just kind of went with him at 10 because while he did change the game, I don't think he kind of changed the game as, some, as much as some of the other guys out there. He changed it in, as far as like a time whenever, you know, basketball is kind of starting to become a genuine, like a, a much bigger sport than it was. Uh, but and that there's no denying his influence on that. But uh, I just kind of put him at 10. Sticking around off the list, I put Tim Duncan at nine. Hey, Mr. Fundamental, the, the guy didn't have anything that kind of popped off the page or anything like that, but he just got it done. He got it done all the time. He he, he just never really made mistakes. He did everything as well as you can hope. I uh, went Wilt at eight just because kind of getting into this discussion, there, there's a lot of big men in here. It, kind of getting into this discussion, it's just – well, it's always been a guy that I have incredibly highly on my list, and just kind of whatever day you catch me on, I kind of alternate my list of big men. Uh, I, I've got my top one, obviously, but then I, you know I just kind of alternate the rest just because it, it's it's such a tough position and such a crazy position to kind of compare uh, these guys. I went with Shaq right above him, just further alluding to the fact that I can interchange fucking any of these. I'm just gonna four straight big men in a row. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then I went with Kobe. It, you, you, you talk about all the things that you know you, you want in a player. That that was that was Kobe. That, that was that was Bean. That was Mama. That all those guys. It, it just all, all those versions of whatever you want to call them. It just the, the guy was amazing, and he was amazing to watch for a long time. And I'm very thankful I did get to watch him and get to watch what he did. Yes. Uh, I went with Larry Bird next. I. I have birds so high on my list. Watching, watching film of the guy play. Obviously, I wasn't around for to watch him play whenever he was in the league. But what what the guy did was just insane. He he played like a guy kind of plays now back then with like flares of each side of it. He yeah. had the he had the insane jump shot, and I think if he had played in today's age, his jump shot would still be a top like ten in the league today. Oh yeah. Uh, and that wasn't a time whenever that wasn't that prominent. It it. He went out there and he kind of learned post moves and he learned defense. He learned to facilitate. He learned everything. He played defense and he was just one of the biggest shit talkers in the entire world too. That I, I love. I love that stuff. I love people hearing stuff that he says. He would walk up the court and tell guys where he was going to catch the ball, where he was going to shoot from, how it was going to go, and he'll tell you that you're not going to stop it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell and you guess the what? exact play and he still couldn't stop it. Everything that yeah. he did, he was correct. He, you didn't stop it. He did it. Right. <laughs> I <laughs> uh, went Magic at four. Uh, he is the best point guard of all time. I, right. I, I, I don't really consider that to be that close to the list. I also had a hard time not putting John Stockton on here just out of spite. No. Uh, <laughs> Eric Snow at three, baby. Eric Snow. <laughs> on there somewhere. Uh, I, I feel like Stockton kind of belongs in the top ten. Hey, the, the, dude, the dude's a – if magic wasn't magic, if magic wasn't kind of who he was, Stockton is the second best point guard ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if, if magic was an actual be. forward, like because you know he was the size of a forward, and he literally then, did that multiple yeah. times. He played all five positions in a game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Magic yeah. was the tr- first true point forward we have ever seen, and then yeah. LeBron yeah. kind of revolutionized that. 
So yeah. I don't I don't think when people say like whenever they compare LeBron and Magic together, I don't think they're far off at all. I no, mean, they're like, not. They, they kind of play the same way. The first anomaly, I guess. Well, yeah, he's a six-six point guard, and he's throwing behind the anywhere. behind the head, no look passes. It's crazy. On the money. Only thing Sorry. with Magic is I would have liked more of a jump shot. Uh, True. Obviously, that wasn't popular back then, but it just kind of seems like you could have thrown a center on him, and as long as the center had some level of lateral mm-hmm. quickness, then right. Now, if this uh, is the all, if this is the all sex team, Wilt and Magic. They got it covered. I mean, they, my Lord. they are they are one A one B. Yeah, goats. <laughs> I, I did go with Kareem at three, kind of with everybody else on that. Uh, the dude's one of the best ever to do it. Uh, and what what he did, just he he reinvented a lot of the way of low post play was. Yeah. Just right. everything that anybody thought that they knew about playing down low, he changed it, and. Uh, but I do think he is a pretty – there is a gap between him and the next two, which does get into the same point. He kind of thought, my big man of it? I, it depends kind of what they catch me on on this stuff. But I went with MJ at two and LeBron at one. Uh, that may not be the same answer tomorrow. <laughs> but yeah. those, those two, to me, are the best to have ever played the game. Uh it, for for so many different reasons, for so many different things that they do, and they're both great for their own different ways. And it, to, it, to me, LeBron is just the the, the package of the most talented, uh, just it just pure basketball player that we've ever seen. And that's, honestly, I think that we may ever see. And the dude is a freak for more than just more than one way. And as his career has gone on, he's just constantly evolving to the mm-hmm. point where he makes three threes a game now, like as a guy who can get to the rim and kind of finish around the rim whenever he wants to, he's, he's revamped his game and that's what the greats do. Jordan did the same. Jordan went from, you know, the Uber athletic to jumping and just hanging in the air long enough that is, he would get a shot up. However, like long it took you to fall back down to the floor. It, he was just, he just hung in the air <laughs> until yeah. he did. Yeah. yeah. He kind of floated. I swear. Yeah. I swear he had wires attached to him. something. It, it's like he would jump and then everybody else would jump and then everybody else would land. And he's still just like waiting in yeah. the air. Like, yeah. okay, now's my time. There we go. Like, oh, I'm not even at my highest point and you're still on the ground. Okay. Exactly. Trust me. It's a little unfair that a dude can stretch his arm that long. So you know, that is unfair. <laughs> yeah. you know. I mean, how, cool. how dare you try to even yeah. stop him in yeah. Space Jam? How dare you? It was in a it was yeah. in a cool documentary. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's, he he played with the Looney Tunes. So. It's a true story. <laughs> right. it, it is a true story. Yes, absolute, one hundred ten percent factual. It yeah. did yeah. happen. Yeah, we just got MIB'd with the nebulizer thing. They just they were like, here, look here, didn't happen. But we're gonna make a movie about it. So yep. there you go. And they thought the, and they thought the seventy three and nine Warriors were a good team. They didn't see them all. Oh boy, yeah. their yeah. bags weren't worth a damn. Yeah. What what no. happened to that seventy three and nine Warriors team? They they, uh, <coughs> they won a championship that year. Regular <coughs> 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 gift. I, I, I mean, I dude, honestly, even porn stars were impressed with that choke game. No kidding. I mean, that was highly impressive. They said that 73 and 9 team really knows how to choke stuff right there. My God. Don't don't call that a choke job. They didn't lose that. The Cavs went and fucking took it. I know. I know. But still. It was was both. It was both. It was both. LeBron LeBron of Nazareth went in there and and took over. Yeah. Straight over. Tom Brady of Nazareth, LeBron of Nazareth. There you go. Total (laughs) combination. I think there was elements of both, though. Choke and just a great comeback. 
I love it. They just happened to run into one of the best duos of all time. Exactly. <laughs> yep. They did. Yep. Jared Smith and Kevin Love, of course. Yes, uh, yes. Of course. Yes. yes. Channing or Fry and Richard Jefferson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I miss, I miss RJ. I loved RJ. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. You all should listen to his. You should all should listen to his call of the end of Game Seven. <laughs> oh boy. He, he he recaps the game and he was he was talking about LeBron's block. Then he was talking about the last play whenever Kyrie made the shot. Oh. Uh, and he's like, so I start out on the strong side corner, which is the right corner. Uh, that's the side that Kyrie's planning on going. That that's kind of the play they have drawn up. And he starts over there, and LeBron runs over and clears him out. He's like, thank God. I want no part of this shit. You guys got this. <laughs> All right. Y'all got this. I don't want to touch the ball. I'll just stand over here and uh, be a distraction, I guess. He runs all the way to the left corner. And he's like, hey, man, you know the shot's going up. You know exactly what he's going to do. He's going to go over to that right wing. He's going to ISO. And you got the things to think in your head. He's like, the, the things that you are in a fan and the things you're thinking when you're watching the game, that goes through the players' heads, too. He's like, I'm standing right here. I am not moving. Once the shot goes up. I try to get the board. If I don't feel like I can get the board, I bust my ass and get back on defense. And then the shot went up. I did nothing. I didn't. <laughs> I stood go. there and watched. I watched the ball sail in the air for what seemed like an hour. I was like, holy shit, that went in. <laughs> oh, shit, I'm still on offense. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, that's my list. There you guys go. Oh, yeah, no problem, man. All that's right. a good list. Great yep, list. That was yep. it. Jimmy, go ahead, man. You're up. The ginger, the sunburnt to hell. <laughs> yeah, the blending in with the red wall ginger yeah. back there. <laughs> oh, dude. You're about, you're about the same with the picture behind me there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm messing with you, dude. That's, that, that's gold. That's gold. Yep. <laughs> that's what you are, Jimmy. You're gold. Don't let anybody oh, else tell you, you anything wrong. You. Thank gold, you. gold. Thank Don't let them tell you different, brother. <laughs> All right, at number 10 I got Mr. Wilt Chamberlain. I know he scored 100 in the game, and you know he's just all around great. But still, never actually got to watch him. That that I think that's some of the hardest things for me, in my opinion, to do is rank guys that I haven't actually seen and have Definitely. only seen like bits and pieces of highlights. But it's the same highlights that you see when you're a kid when they're talking about these people, and it's like you know two, three second clips, but yeah. only four or five highlights of the same exact thing. And it's just Gosh. like, what? okay, I get it, but you know, I, I don't know what else he's actually like done and or seen in the game. And anyways, number nine, I got Bill Russell. Eight, Mr. Larry Bird. Trash talk, he'd probably be 1A, 1B with Jordan. Oh, <laughs> man, I would have loved to hear those two go at it on the court. Holy hell, that would have been awesome. Uh, then number seven, oh, Timmy Duncan. Could literally dismiss their fundamentals, as you guys have said repeatedly. And just the guy, uh, Kobe at six, Shaq at five, Kareem at four, Magic at three, and one B got Jordan, one A LeBron. And like, you know, as chat said earlier, Magic didn't have that great of a jump shot, but still the first anomaly that we saw that could play like any position pretty much. And then Kareem, you know the best score of all time. And Shaq, just total domination. Kobe could, again, do absolutely anything. And just LeBron and Jordan will always, for me, and I'm probably for all of us, just be, you know, 1A, 1B. And 
you can always make an argument. You can flip them, put one up here, put one down there, whatever. Like, in their eras, they were the ultimate NBA player, and no one could stop them. And now, you know, you have LeBron, the just godlike NBA player, and, you know, teams have, have to make a super team. You know, the, the Golden State Warriors had to get five all-stars to start and then just to beat the guy, pretty much. It's just, you know, it's laughable. And I think that's part of my big argument whenever you you want to talk about titles and stuff. Oh, LeBron doesn't have six. He only has three. He's lost six. Well, he went to, what, eight straight or something? Eight straight finals? And it, But, like, you know, it's him. And then, yeah, and uh, injury-ridden team by the end of the year. Like, LeBron still beat the hell, but his team is just, you know, patched up with duct tape and Band-Aids. And the other guys, that whoever they're going against, they're just, okay, they're fresh because they have three to four all-stars on the fucking starting roster. I was like, I, Jordan didn't really face that. He maybe faced one or two on a starting roster, but, like, not three to five that are starting, you know, consistently throughout the finals. Like, come on now. But that's just me. So that's my top ten in Oh, it was it was a little tougher than I thought it'd be, but at the same time, you're looking throughout that whole entire list and just thinking, what the fuck? These are, like, how in the hell do you put him here and him here? And, like, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know how they did it or who did it, if it was a committee, just one person. I don't fucking know. But right. It really feels like yeah. Yeah. every person that you say on that list, it feels like you should be saying them higher. Right, yeah. exactly. But then you what look they at are. the names above yeah. them, and you realize that that's why they're down there. Like, yeah. it, it right. feels weird to like say that. Like, I feel like Tim Duncan is like the ninth best player of all time. Yeah. So, like, I remember watching that dude, and like, oh my god, this dude's one of the best. And he was yeah. for a long fucking time, consistently, dude. Like yeah. years and years. It wasn't like he just had like three or four, maybe five good years. Like it was like his whole career was good. Yeah, from yeah. start to the finish. Yeah, just, yeah. He, he never made mistakes, never took the ball over, really. He just he right. knew what to do and did it incredibly quick. It could score on you, pass the ball, get it away, whatever. He yeah. just and always if knew if what he to wasn't, do. If he wasn't that great at something, he learned how to make up for it. Like, exactly. wasn't the best free throw shooter ever, so he learned to be one of the better inbounders. It's just like a small thing of his game to where, like, he wanted to be on the court for those last-ditch things, but he knew that he wasn't. He was probably the guy they were going to look to foul. So he was just like, all right, cool. Can't foul me if I'm the one inbounding the ball. <laughs> exactly. All right. And he got so good at it. It's where he was one of the best in the league. It's just little stuff like that. The, the greats that you watch these guys and they do it. They, they make it work. Yeah. It was like just their mindset on something. It's like, well, okay, I'm not good at this, but I am really good at this. So in this position, I'm going to do this while my teammates do that. Like, I never would have thought to do that. You know, just it's the littlest and easiest things to do, like to think about. Mm-hmm. And but, you know, my brain doesn't work that like that. My brain doesn't work ninety five percent of the time. So, if you guys do on the high quality TV right now, there is a mullet currently on ESPN. Eric oh, Anders. Yep, Eric <laughs> Anders grew with, with with the best nickname of any guy in the UFC. Yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. Nah, t- touchy feely. I know that was. I know I was just joking. I think touchy yeah. feely has a great nickname. Uh, Andre feely. <laughs> Andre feely's got a great nickname. Yeah, Trace. Andre feely. feely's nickname is Touchy, so he's Andre Touchy Feely. 
I oh my I goodness! Mean, with that last name, there's no other nickname to have. Yes. Right? Well, did you see where Uriah Faber was going to step in and fight tonight if uh, um, Yadong or whatever his name is couldn't fight? Yeah, he was having oh, a visa issue. Yeah, because he's from China. Yeah. So that, he was having somewhere. a visa issue. So, but they got it approved last minute. But Uriah weighed in yesterday and was ready to fight. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, for yeah. he was still closer to making weight than some guys who you know. Yeah, he was. He was only. Five pounds off, right? Or close uh, to something like that. Fights, fights on one forty-five, and he weighed like one fifty-two and a half. So, like okay, six and so a half. yeah, not too bad. Not too yeah, bad. Six and a, it's not too bad for Mackenzie Dern out there. Just the name off the top of my head. You know, fights at one twenty-five and weighs yeah. one thirty-four going into the fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, never make, never she, make, never makes the check she should. You know, like, yeah. Dude, she gave birth and she's got it now. <laughs> yeah, she's good now. She's good now. Yeah, since so, so she gave birth, she came back and she's like, "All right, cool. Now I can make weight." Like, what? What? I was like, well, I was like, I was like, what? before that, before that though, she couldn't, and then now it's yeah. just like, what? <laughs> to me, to me what? If, if you go out there for a fight and you weigh significantly closer to the weight class up from where you're yeah. supposed to be fighting, right? You sh you should lose sixty percent of your purse. Like, <laughs> just move up. Just move up. Yeah. If, you, if you know. That's that's they, way they I see force it, guys to do that. They force guys to mm -hmm. get Kelvin yeah. Gaslam. I mean, God, that guy, ne that guy never has made weight. Never makes that, weight. Yeah, once he moved up to one eighty five, he was good. <laughs> but right. that could never make one seventy. Rumble had to go from one seventy to two hundred five because I don't He's know. Too I, damn big. Do, do not know why he ever tried to get to one seventy. That know. was that, literally. I don't know guy. which. I don't know which coach told him. Yeah, you can do it. Like, yeah. All we're gonna have to do is cut off your left arm. Like. He built out like sheetrock. That dude is yeah. ripped. Yeah, Crazy. and then you saw him at the 170 days, and yeah. the dude looked like if the wind blew too hard, he was going. <laughs> there she goes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, I guess I'll do my top ten now. But uh, so coming in at number ten, I got my man Andre Kirilenko. Andre Kirilenko. My man, go! What's no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, it was Luke Longley for real. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Well, um, if we're doing that list, then number 10, yeah. I got John Elmore. <laughs> yeah. Darren Williams. <laughs> Darren. Slav Mevendenko. That's yes. what I'm doing. <laughs> Dragon Bender. That's a good pull. That's a pull right there. Boban Marjanovic. Jarebko. Boban Marjanovic. Yes. <laughs> Yokeem Noah. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, we're probably the weirdest shot I've ever yeah, seen in my entire life. I know, right? both sideways. Oh, it's a weird. <laughs> Gerald know, Wallace. I don't know. You you want to talk about ugly shots, dude? If you ever feel like you can accomplish your dreams, Michael Kidd Gilchrist was the was second overall say, that, pick yeah, with that's that so broken true. ass. You're, no, you're absolutely and he's been right. In the he's for how many about years him. now, too? Yeah, like, if you ever feel like anything's too out of reach for you, that dude was the second dude, overall pick with a I don't get like it though. That. I don't get it though because that freaking like when he was at UK, he had a silky smooth jumper, and then now it was just trash. Yeah, it was got, trash. He got with some coach. He was like, "Oh no, you need to fix your shot." Yeah. Here we're well, just gonna, let's just do it. Let's just do a chicken wing real quick. See what happens. Yeah. It was ugly. It's always been ugly, and you don't want your shot to look like that because, like, technically, it's just not sound. You can't have a consistent shot that looks like that. That's been no. the knock on Lonzo. Whenever Lonzo would make it, it looked like it barely touched the rim. Right. But then the other ones literally wouldn't touch the rim because they'd be fucking eight feet to the right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it is yep. impossible to have a consistent jumper that that is that is that ugly. 
Right. You talk about the best shooters of all time. They, it, Alan, Corver, Steph, Clay, their their form. It's always Larry. the same. It doesn't change. Yeah. yeah. It, it's so it, methodical. It just, yeah. it just stays the same. does not change. They don't do anything to tweak it. They just shoot jumpers. That's what they did, do. Did you guys see and, the – Well, uh, it's always technically sound too. Right, right? yeah. There's it's never from a the hip. It, it's from the never hip. It's straight up. Yeah. It's, you, know, I, you line it up with your eyes. You get your elbows centered and everything. Then you see jumpers like Kid Gilker's. And you see jumpers like Lonzo's more recently. Like it's, They'll fall, but when they <laughs> don't, it's, it's not bad. close. <laughs> it's, like, not even, it's not even close. Yeah. It, it, so you want to fix those because you, it, it's literally impossible to consistently make a shot that that's ugly. Like, like the, or th- that's why these coaches have issues with it. It's not because it's not pretty or anything. It's literally just it's Shaq's free throw. Like, do you think a coach didn't want to fix that? It wasn't because it wasn't pretty. It's because it didn't fucking fall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, his hands are just too big for the ball. Yeah. Thing right. broken, man. Yeah. Like a lot of guys, it just, you have the terrible. You can even have good form and still miss. I mean, that's it's not going to yeah. fix everything. Yeah, right. But well, like, good form certainly helps. You can't have that ugly of a form and be a true shooter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You, you see, guys like Michael Carter Williams is another one. Right. He throws the ball up at the basket, and you're just kind of like, oh, fingers boy. crossed as a coach. Yeah. It's just like, oh god! You, is you, that you, you know, some coaches don't sound like Jesus Christ, MCW, get out of here! Yeah. <laughs> you watch, he's done. <laughs> you watch some of those come off those guys' hands, and the biggest question is, is that one going to break the backboard? <laughs> yeah, that's also true. Like, good lord, sir, oh, is that going to cause some shrapnel? Yeah, you got a fair hoop in the back, right? All right, I love. But like, it. did you guys see the video or the video on Twitter of Dan Patrick? Because he was, he was talking. I can't remember which player he was talking about, but he was talking about their shooting form. So you know, in his studio, he has a little basketball court or whatever. So yeah. he's like, "All right, this is how you teach your kids how to shoot a basketball the proper way." And then he was like starting under the hoop, and then goes all the way back to a three, and he nails like every single shot. And yeah, I was like, dude, his form was just unfucking believable. It was perfect. Yeah, and it was like, yeah, the greatest shooters on the world, like Chat just said. You know, have a good form, and they follow mm-hmm. through, and all this other stuff. It's right. Like, teach your kids this, and you're good to go. Don't be. And then I can't remember what like the rest of it, but yeah, he was talking about someone. And I was like, right. exactly. How are some of these pros so damn bad at this shooting mm-hmm. form? Yeah. Well, <laughs> and it, it works. It yeah, works. it works. It, yeah, that's really it. it. Like, you see, know. guys like every person that we just mentioned. Yeah. You, you go back to their days in AAU. Yeah. It doesn't really matter that they couldn't really shoot that well because they just ran past you and jumped over all the other short yeah. kids. Yeah. That they were they there. look stupid yeah. and just so yeah. freakishly athletic compared to everybody else. It's like when Zion was in high school, you looked at him and be like, this guy should not be playing these kids. Like, you know, yeah. it's, it's like it was like Zion was playing like Ripley High School back home, yeah. and they're just like, oh, oh this guy, uh, he shouldn't be here. <laughs> he should probably be playing for like Mount Verde or Modern Day or OK or somewhere like that. But no, he plays for Spartanburg Day Country School. Like, yeah, why is he a senior in college playing these high school kids? No, he's a freshman in high school, actually. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, no, saw that with, you saw that with Andrew Wiggins here, too. I mean, yeah. That, yeah. yeah. He yeah when he played against my cousin, yeah. When he, when he, he made people look seven. stupid at Huntington Prep. And then Xavier Raton Mays had like, 55 points, and he was out shooting and outscoring everybody. And he, like, I mean, I mean, he was a good player, but he's like just been kind of in the G League for however long. And you just looked at that, you're like, this guy, like, he just dominates. But that's what, I mean, like you said, that's what exactly what Andrew Wiggins did. But 
All right, let me get back to my top ten. Sorry, I had to. I had to go off course. I had to go off course there, and you know, give a shout out to AK forty seven, AK Andre Kirilenko. <laughs> <laughs> that guy is the furthest thing from top ten. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> but, uh, so at number ten, I have Bill Russell, uh, simply because yeah, he revolutionized the game, uh, like Zach said earlier. But just uh, when you're playing the milkman and the postman after their uh, their morning shift, it's a little bit, you know. Um, then I have Will at nine. Yes, he scored 100 points and all that, and he definitely was a game changer when it came to the center of that time and everything. Um, but still, I would have him at nine. Not disrespecting him, just saying there's people ahead of him that I find better. That's all. Uh, Larry Bird at eight. Uh, Larry was just one of those one of those guys that you looked at him and you're like, there's no way in hell this guy's athletic or was going to make it to an NBA finals or going to make it in all like you know top ten or top 15 in all NBA team, you know, of all time. Like if you looked at him, you're like, there's, there's just no way in hell. This guy's going to be a chicken farmer or something whenever he's done. And that's it. But no, he, he was an absolute baller. Like he really was. Uh, I had Kobe at seven. Um, no disrespect. I just, you know, I just feel like that was, that was fair. I'm not saying it's um, any, any disrespect or anything like that. Yes. He could score. He could do everything. Um, pretty much was just lethal as soon as he stepped on. He was so obsessed with the game and, and dissected it like and did everything possible um, in the game that it just almost looked like it was a cheat code, you know? Yep. Like like he, like you entered the cheat code in the middle of the game, and then he just went out there and did whatever the hell he wanted or turned or turn the sliders all the way up. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you go in 2K, you turn the sliders all the way up, and you're just like, I wonder what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you expect? Uh, I have Tim Duncan at, uh, at six, Mr. Fundamental, uh, just simply because I feel like if you put him at the six range, yeah, you'd say five is kind of middle. But with this, I would say six is kind of – would be fair for Tim Duncan. He had a lot of success. He was dominant for – and just, you know, he was so consistent from the time he came into the league to the time he left. So um, that's why I have him at six, have him a little bit higher than, than they did on the uh, ESPN list. I have Shaq at five, uh, probably one of the most dominant big men we've ever seen. Um, and I truly think that he is getting a lot of disrespect having him having him at ten. Oh, I, I think that is a joke. I think that is a joke. My dad would be happy because he grew. He's been a Lakers fan for as long as I can remember. I used to give him shit for it. Um, I still won't cheer for the Lakers, but I will cheer for I will cheer for LeBron. That's about it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I mean, my my favorite team is the Hornets. Dad, for God's sakes, guys, my favorite team is the Hornets. For God's sake, you think we're going to get to the playoffs anytime soon? <laughs> You're going to be incredibly I'm proud of you. Yeah, he'd be so proud. I know. Wait till he number three. I, I guarantee you, because they listen oh, to the pod, they listen to the pod, so they're like they're like, well, oh, yeah. they tell yeah, their they tell their friends, friends. They, yeah, they tell their friends oh. to it. They think it's the greatest thing ever. They they, they were hyping us up this week. They said, hell yeah, I oh, love hell it. Yeah. Hot beast. I had to show them where to find the podcast so on Apple because they had no clue what the fuck they were doing. But it's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Sorry, yeah, mom. Sorry, dad. Okay. I didn't mean to cut okay. on national radio here. We love you. <laughs> yeah, we love you. Don't worry. Uh, then I have Magic at four. Uh, truly uh, revolutionized the game, being the first point forward ever. Uh, made made things look that seemed impossible possible, you know, uh, for a guy that was 6'6 and so quick and could just really just dish it out, could make plays that you've Probably didn't expect to happen, you know, that really short window of time that uh, he was given, but he was still making play out of it. So that's why I always I have him at four and always have him high. Uh, I will have Kareem at three. Kareem, is, to me, is the most dominant big man of all time. Uh, he can shoot a hook shot from, you know, 35 feet and swish it and just make you look stupid. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
I mean, he was yeah. just, he was just a true anomaly. Like he was, you know, he was seven, whatever. And, um, seven foot, whatever. And he could just, he'd just shoot over you, make you look stupid. So, um, you know, it was, it was a wild time. It was, it, it was probably the most dominant big man we've seen other than Shaq. Uh, obviously, because our era, Shaq was, um, you know, so dominant and just made it look so incredibly easy. But Kareem did the same thing back then. And he also did it with the Bucks whenever he was Lou Alcindor and then changed his name to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with the Lakers and made it um, made, almost just dominated for both very, you know, respectable franchises. So that's why I have him at three. Uh, now when it comes to the age-old question of LeBron and MJ, I'm not going to put them at one or two. I'm going to put them at 1A, 1B, because here's the thing. Right now, yes, you would have Michael Jordan in front simply because of everything he's done. All the, If you want to get the championship thing in there, that's total bullshit. That's a, completely different. But I do think by the time it's all said and done, when LeBron retires, he will be the greatest basketball player to ever live, period. I think Michael is right now. And still has that nice little opportunity, that little window to keep that. But I'm just saying, by the time it's all said and done, LeBron James will be the greatest player of all time. That's all that's right. my that's my top ten right there. Um, we're gonna kind of switch gears here um, and move into the combat world. So we're gonna go to from you know basketball like all time top ten to um, kind of what we're going and seeing right now in current current stages with the first sport being back is uh, Ultimate Fighting Championship at UFC. So MMA is right back. Um, bringing sports back to the world when this time is so shitty um, and really just kind of making things terrible. But uh, we're going to turn it over to Zach, let Zach kind of take this under his wing and uh, kind of explain what's going on, and we'll have our own opinions on it. So, uh, Zach, you go ahead, man. Uh, number one, before I start, I just want to say this because, like, this isn't going to be out until tomorrow, but I just want to say this because I know that this will be relevant tomorrow. Mm -hmm. The fight that's happening right now is going to be fucking amazing. Uh, <laughs> SM Barbosa and Dan Inge or Inge. How do you say his name? How do you say his uh, last name? Ige. Ige. Oh, okay. And he, yeah, he, has, it, he has a great nickname, too. Dan50K Ige. I love he has it. A, a lot of performance bonuses. Dude, that's a great nickname. And he, yeah. isn't he like Australian, too, or something like that? Uh, I know he lives in the States now. I don't know where he's from. He's, he, do, you, do you remember the story of the guy? Yeah, who, yeah. Uh, he's Australian. Yeah. Or Hawaii. Uh, no, he's from Hawaii. Sorry. Hawaii. Yeah. My bad. Do you remember the story of the guy who had a he, – he thought it was USADA come to his door at, like, 6 in the morning, and they asked for blood samples. So he's like, oh, okay, cool. It's 6 in the fucking morning. USADA's here. I, I'm going to – this is my drug test. So, you know, he opened up the door, let him in, gave him his blood sample. They left. Not a big deal. Well, then he got a phone call a couple days later uh, about something, and then USADA showed up at his door. It's like, you guys were just here. They're like, right. no, we weren't. It's like, they just took him. What? You're telling me the Red, American Red Cross went in there and stole his blood and said, He's out, brother. <laughs> no, he, he told that story on Twitter and he's like, I thought that I was just giving a blood sample for a drug test and now I probably have fucking AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> but boy, before he, the, boy, he got the magic and all that yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, it, so if like eight years from now we see a mini Dan Ige. Like that—that's what was happening. Like, they cloned his ass, bro. How do you how do you give your blood to the wrong people? Thank I mean, obviously he thought it was Usada and everything for the fights right. and all that. But yeah, that is hysterical. Like that's what they do. You they Usada took just it, shows they, up wherever you're at. And they like, just took his blood and said, "We're gonna clone you, bro." Yeah, Sorry. that's that's Let's how Usada handles it. They handled it exactly like Usada does, and he's he was pretty much like, dude, it was so early in the morning. Like, 
I wasn't there. I didn't have my wits around to ask like the proper questions, I guess. I didn't feel like I had to ask the proper questions. I didn't think right. I was trying to fucking take my blood. But yeah, for that, the that fight first, who would you bet on? Between who do you think is gonna win Barbosa and Ige, yeah. Uh well it's Barbosa's one forty five debut, so uh, yeah. I, I got nothing, dude. I, I don't it's know. Tough. It's tough. It's a toss up. It's a favorite I, I too. I don't know if this cuts. Barbosa's well, a favorite. Well, a one fifty five. Barbozo is amazing. He's got the second most finishes, I think, of that. They're knockouts in that division. And then, I mean, I should, he finishes I mean, in I so many different already, ways. Yeah. But he moved down to 145 because he saw that there was nothing for him on 155. So he moved down to 145. So this 145 change could be good for him. He could have all the power that he had at 155 down here and just kind of run through people. Or he could have no chin. So I don't know. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's a tu- it's a tough thing going down to 145 from that dude. Like that's a big that's yeah. a that's a solid jump, yeah, particularly but, for a guy who was he was a decent sized 155 or it's not like he was yeah, a super he was. small 155 or like right he he had he had some good uh, good chunk on him like I mean yeah. muscle wise I'm not saying like fat but like like he was he was a built dude you know he yeah. was he was he was sculpted yeah <laughs> <Sculpted>. <laughs> he was sculpted you, you see these guys move down and they move down for one of two reasons either yeah you know, they they feel like they're a small one. They're small for the weight class above or because they're kind of forced to. And he was in a position where after, you know, losses to Gaethje, he lost to Gaethje, he lost to Khabib, he lost to a lot of those top guys up there. Right. What, what's he supposed to do now? Like, right. Like, he yeah, could well, fight at well, 155 for another eight years and he's not going to get a title shot. Like, no, he won't get he close to He would have to, to go him. on some ridiculous winning streak. Yeah. He, he's lost to the, all the top guys. He lost to Ferguson. Mm-hmm. He, he's lost to literally the top Top three, I, top I, four I guys every time. Been moved down since his last fight, but yeah, it's you look at the top of that division, and it's just guys who have beat Edson Barboza. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, you're so just yeah, like, he, <laughs> all right. <laughs> this move was necessitated. So it's it's a weird yeah. question. What about the? I'll go Walt Harris first. Alistair. Alistair Overeem. Yeah, uh, that's a tough fight because uh, Walt Harris is coming off where. Yeah, back yeah, in December, dude. his oh, his daughter was murdered. Um, that's yeah, unfortunate. Works. It sucks. Uh, so they did a big ESPN story on it. She was yeah. kidnapped and then found well, in the forest. So. Yeah, you should watch that. That's, it's very I, it's very gut wrenching. It's I very it was all of it. hard to watch. It's yeah, very gut wrenching. And you know, he was saying like he he was self medicating. He was drunk every day. But then his his wife, which is Anaya, his daughter's uh, mother, said. You know, you got to get up. You got to do this. She wants you to keep moving forward, keep doing everything, and you know, get yeah. back to your old ways. So he had to be a little bit selfish as a as a fighter to kind of get out of that situation, even though he didn't want to. So right, he's yeah. fighting. He's fighting for a lot more tonight than Alistair Overeem is. Alistair oh, Overeem yeah. has has fifty some wins in his career, right? Something like that. I mean, he's fought over. If you go back to amateur days and even pro days, like he spent a lot of time over in Japan and all that, he probably has almost 80 career fights. So it's oh, yeah. it's a lot. But Walt Harris has won, you know, he earned this fight. You know, it's supposed to happen back in December. Obviously, the tragedy happened and shit just really went south. And that just, it's an unfortunate and terrible sequence. But now he's here. He's motivated and all that. So it's going to be a tough fight to bet on anyway regardless because he's fighting yeah. for a lot more but Alistair Overeem has the way more fights he has the glamour picture he has this he has that but still I, I don't know it's a, it's a toss-up it's gonna be a great fight regardless so that's the way I see it yeah anyways uh going on fights that have already happened 
Also, I, but before I go into the fights that happened Wednesday, uh, I didn't think it was humanly possible for me to like not want to listen to Stephen A. Smith any more than I already did. But then he started covering <laughs> MMA, and oh, like no. that, he's that bored. Oh the best, the be- the best thing ever is when he shits on the Cowboys. Though I love that. Dude, I love that. that. that yeah. Yep, that is. That's great. peak Stephen A. Right there, peak hey, Stephen A. LeBron James. Chase, Chase <laughs> is going to immediately understand the stupidity of this, but uh, obviously last Saturday we had Justin Gaethje and Tony Ferguson fight two of the most decorated stand-up fighters of all time. At Justin Gaethje, you, I could have told you that what exactly was going to happen in that fight. Those two were going to stand fucking six feet away from each other. Or in further. And throw bombs. Yes, and just hit each other until one of them went down. It was going to be the closest thing to Rock'em Sock'em Robots who you're going to get. I love it. Stephen A. Smith made a comment that he was watching that fight, and he was wondering why there wasn't more wrestling. And then he remembered the coronavirus. <laughs> he ter- personally believes the reason that Justin Gaethje, who has 20-some knockouts, and Tony Ferguson, who has some of the best stand-up of all time, and all... Pretty, all so much of these guys filled is just them standing up. He personally believes the reason they didn't wrestle is they were scared of getting the Rona. Damn Rona. Here's the thing. He is an excellent, excellent analyst when it comes to everything else. But when you start creeping into the MMA world where you have nothing about, stay in your lane, bro, and stay off the damn weed. (laughs) (laughs) Don't come into a a sport that you don't know much about. Period. Robin Quitter. Yes. He ain't HD, no Shay Sharp. HD would not take that. Would no, not would take not. that criticism. Never. No, never. Never. Nope. Fucking but, right. Fucking right. <laughs> <laughs> Getting into the genuine fights, though. Uh, Wednesday, we had a nice little car again. Uh, USC's throwing three cards in there this week, which, which has been amazing. It's been amazing to kind of see the restoration of this particularly because uh, we aren't going to see another one until June. So that it was nice to get them all together, kind of like this, just to have stuff to watch. Oh, my God. This, oh, my God, dude. I'm sorry. I'm distracted. <laughs> no, you're good. I'm watching it, too. Uh, so I, I knew exactly what you're saying. Uh, anyways, uh, going to the main card of Wednesday's event, uh, we had Andre Arlovsky facing off against Felipe Lins, who uh, was the PFL champion last year, won a million dollars in the PFL championship. Uh, Arlovsky beat him by unanimous decision. Uh, we'll followed that one up with, Ricky Simone and Ray Borg, which is a nice little fight for the 135-pound division. Ray Borg is a title challenger way back in his early 20s uh, and it has kind of came back to the point where you know, he was on a nice little run again. Ricky Simone's on a young is a really, really, really good fighter. He had the little setback to your favor, but the guy's just, that the guy is incredible. So, well, Simone won that one by split decision. Uh, one of my favorite fights of the entire night was Drew Dober and Alex Hernandez. Uh Hernandez was an up-and-comer until he kind of faced Donald Cerrone and then kind of got a little bit of humble pie there. Andrew Dober oh, has really, really resurged his career here. Uh, and Drew Dober ended up winning that one by a second-round knockout. Uh, Ovin St. Peru moved up to heavyweight for the co-main event. Uh, it was his first heavyweight fight. He held his own against Ben Rothwell, who has just been a staple of the division for a long time. Uh, Rothwell ended up getting that one by split. Uh, just the strength was on display there. Uh but OSP really held his own, and I, I, I guess they've kind of talked that he's going to go, this is a one-and-done kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, hey, may, maybe maybe it's a place for him to try. Uh, the main event, man, that that there's there's mm-hmm. a lot of issues surrounding that for a lot of people. Uh, Glover Teixeira con- continued his kind of late career resurgence against Anthony Smith, who just recently challenged for the title. 
uh, as Smith went out there and in the first seven minutes of the fight, man, he was he was on it. He, he was on every every part of his game was good. He was performing so well. I think his coaches did such a poor job. It wasn't his normal coaching crew. Uh, he brought in a bunch of different guys, James Krause, and no offense James Krause. I think James Krause is actually one of the best coaches in the business. He's also currently fighting. Well, not literally right at this second, but you get what I mean. He, he's a current fighter in the OC roster. Uh, I, I think Krause is a great coach, but all the coaches he had in his corner were all yelling stuff at the same time in a, in a spot where there's no fans to drown it out. You could hear everything. And Smith was doing everything that they said to the point where it was just system overload. He gassed himself out, and then ass-beating occurred. Uh, two 10-8 rounds back-to-back in the third and fourth rounds where he just kind of got out of there and survived. kind of walked back to his corner after the fourth round. He, he was gone. He, he had nothing left, and he told his corner his teeth were falling out. Oh, that's And, and they just told him, oh, you're good, dude. You're good. I just, just, here we go. This is what you got to do. You got you to come back in this round. You, you got to dig deep. When he just had nothing left to dig deep into, he had no uh, teeth. There, there was one point in the fight where he couldn't keep his mouthpiece in because the teeth were falling out. And yeah. uh, he wrapped his, his teeth. Yeah, yeah. You know, his, I, his mouthpiece started to slip and the tooth fell out. So he looked down on the canvas and found it and picked it up and gave it to Jason Herzog. Yeah, as, yeah. yeah, as Glover Teixeira has his back and raining down punches. And then Glover Teixeira yeah. apologizing in the middle of the fight saying, Sorry, Anthony. He goes, what? For what? He goes, it's just part of, it's just part of the job, man. He goes, oh, I know, yeah. brother. And then he just proceeded uh, to punch him again. I was like, what the yeah. fuck? What is going on? This is Glover, madness. Glover this is madness. Didn't want that either, man. I, I was reading a story of those two after Smith's uh, fight against Tiago Santos down a middleweight. Yeah. Uh, Santos won by TKO, ended up getting a body kick and just kind of jumped all over Smith. But Smith was moving around on crutches at the airport and couldn't find his way around the airport. Uh, Glover Teixeira apparently found him and kind of helped him. Hey, he, here's where your flight's at. Glover directed him to his flight, helped him get on his flight before Glover got on his. So those two are friends. Like they, they, They've been cool with each other for a while, and those two guys like each other. It's just an unfortunate business where at some point you got to make a decision on if you want to fight your friends or not, and you get down to that situation that they're in. Yeah, th- that fight could propel either one of them to a title shot with Jones, uh, which we'll, I'm sure we'll get into later on with more of the Jones stuff going on right now. Uh, it's, they, they took the fight, and that was hard to watch. I, I got a lot of issues with the corner work. I don't have as much issues with Herzog as a lot of people have. Herzog kept telling him, like, you got to move. If you don't move, I'm going to stop it. And then he'd move. So Herzog did everything he's supposed to, in my opinion. He, he gave the fighter a chance. He wasn't too early on the stoppages, and he kind of told the fighter, like, look, if <laughs> he, without literally saying it in those words, he was like, look, if you want out of here, just I'll get you just, out of here. Just say, yeah. Yeah. But Smith Smith lived up to his nickname. Lionheart, the dude, the dude did not want to quit. His corner kind of should have just told him, like, look, dude, this isn't this isn't going how we planned. Uh, <laughs> we're we're going to we're going to save you some dental work. The, the end results <laughs> of the fight, uh, Smith has a broken orbital, broken nose. Uh, Severe cut below his right eye, as well as two permanent teeth now gone. Uh, that you other than he was back. great. Yeah, he was doing just fine. Yeah. Eight day okay. Yeah. Changing God the definition bless. of the word permanent there, uh, but yeah. Well, he had veneers too, which, as my dad is a dentist, those are not cheap. So him yeah. going to get those replaced is going to be a nice, hefty little little check he's going to have to fork after, over. After we had had that conversation. His coaches were the ones who said, well, people don't realize this. He has veneers, so that's what fell out. So we didn't do a bad job. 
trying right. to defend themselves. Well, Anthony oh. Smith has since came out and said, no, the teeth that fell out were my real teeth. <laughs> right, right. So, which further makes the coaches look bad. Because <laughs> then they tried removed. to like cover it up. Like, yeah. no, we didn't do anything stupid. <laughs> and as hey, like, he might have veneers in some parts, like where the teeth maybe had been like completely gone and permanent or whatever, and then he put them in. But the two that actually did fall out, like you said, were his real teeth. So yeah, <laughs> two no, more veneers coming up, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, two more coming, yeah. buddy. <laughs> that hurts me. So, I've had twenty teeth removed. In my life, and I was like, I, I can't stand anything to do with teeth and her mouth. So every time I see someone lose Boy, a tooth, who the hell have you been fighting? What the hell's wrong with teeth? <laughs> like, man, you do this? I've had twenty teeth pulled God from my damn. fucking head. Yeah, dude, I was born like a fucking cow. shark or something. You know, so many Boy, damn teeth. You just got some gums in there. Is that all you got? I'm pretty much my hand. I think. Come here, come here, baby. Let me yeah. kiss you with these gums. <laughs> Put everything in a blender. Yeah. Yeah, only like, eat soup and water, soup and water, soup and water. You guys do want some fun science? The UFC does. I knew this, but I'd never seen it actually done. They have milk off to the side, and they put the teeth in it. Oh hell no! Keep uh-uh. them calcified. <laughs> so like, when a guy loses that many teeth, I guess they're just like, all right, cool, pop. <laughs> no, <laughs> keep them good. Yeah, yeah, that's gross. I found that out from Conor McGregor. Well, I I'd already known that, but I found that that I guess that's what they did. I didn't that know like that's what they literally thing. did at Smith's teeth in the fight. Like I knew, I had heard that, but like you don't see that happen very often. That's what the mouthpieces are for. Yeah, you don't see a lot of teeth falling out, <laughs> particularly falling out while the fight's still going on because you know you got the mouthpiece on. But yeah, uh, damn, that's wild. Also, Kevin Randleman got inducted to the Hall of Fame. That just happened just yeah, like an hour ago. Out, so. Shout out to Kevin Randleman, man. The yeah. Pioneer Wing. That's a big deal. Yeah. And no, Randleman deserves it. See, that, that's a name that, like, you, most most people know who are, like, avidly watch the sport. So it, right. It's, it, it's cool to see him get praised, uh, the late, unfortunately, uh, the late Kevin Randleman to get inducted. So yeah, it's good yeah. for him. Uh, we do have fights going on right now as we have. Said stated that we Barboza definitely has a broken nose. Something, yeah. Definitely. Boy, that's fine. Boy, that thing is cut. Looks sort of straight. Yeah, sort of. Got that nice little bridge in the middle of it, bleeding like a stuck pig. Hurry as a circle. I'd love to see. It's a circle. It's a circle. Right. <laughs> I know I'm a little different than some people watching fights like these, though, but Uriah Faber is one that kind of got me hooked on this. Dan Ige's leg, I would love to see the picture of it six days from now. Oh, yeah. Nope. Yeah. It's in Barbosa's. He kicks with vengeance on his legs, man. Yeah, man. Anybody Ask Terry Adam, dude. Yeah, anybody that gets hit by him is definitely hurting for the next, like, hey. two weeks. Ige's but, left leg is just red. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. Like, oh, dude. dude. Like, yeah, this, is the, this is the good there. stages of it. This is yeah. the good stages of it. It'll be purple yeah. like four days oh, from it, now. It might be black oh, and blue. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, look he's at got that. ground chuck on his leg right now, bro. Yeah. He's got ground chuck on that leg. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, that thing, he, he's, he's, he's kind of flat on it, too, because a lot of fighters you'll see with their, their front base on their pow- on that power foot, they're up. They're, you know, they always got it up. Like the, the toe is up. The foot is up. They're they're bouncing around on it. His is kind of getting flat. And then Bar- Barbosa mm-hmm. looks a little tired. Though. I ain't going to lie to you. Yeah. A guy like Dan Ega, though, he, he kind of fights it the same way. He plants his feet, and he kind of throws, and he kind of oh gets ready for God. his offense. He got that cut on his cheek, like though. That, that thing's yeah. open, dude. 
Oh, that's a, that's, a, that's a bad place to be right there, though. With Barbosa on top of you, them sharp elbows going to come down real quick. Oh, I thought he was going to go for a triangle there. Anyway, sorry. I'm sorry. My I bad. must be behind. I, I, didn't think they, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> it's, you'll see in a second, Jimmy. You're live betting right now. So <laughs> live bet. Live bet. <laughs> I said, fuck Jimmy's bets. We're, 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 we're exactly. Yeah, dude. I went to go make my parlay. With this fight in the fight at eleven thirty, and it said, "Nope, too late. I missed it by like thirty I, seconds." I really <laughs> thought I really thought you were gonna say parley again. I was gonna I was gonna start parley. <laughs> parley, damn it! Yes, I oh, love it. See, I told I you it. my brain doesn't work ninety five percent of the time. So, you, hey, that's I mean, 5%, you had, yeah, you work. had the words, you had the setup, <laughs> then you just forget them. <laughs> yep, it's like no, I got I a right in my hand, I, and then my mouth just doesn't work the way I want it to. And just, yeah, dude, I did. I, I did that on a work call the other day, and I was like. Well, that bad voicemail is going to be a disaster. <laughs> that is going to be. Disaster. But she called me. She called me back, and she was like, "You know what?" She's like, "Yeah, I totally get what you're saying." And I was just like, "I don't know how, but okay." <laughs> no, I mean, I'll take it. But okay. what a saint of a lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh. that's uh, that's what we got for fights that have kind of happened already and are happening currently. Uh, the the fights tonight have been absolutely insane. Uh, that was one of the best uh, prelim kind of cards that I've ever seen. Uh, there are so many good fights. Uh, look up Darren Elkin's face if you haven't seen Oh, yet. dude. Bloody, um, bloody, bloody bro. nice little red mask on him. <laughs> the, the, best, the best tweet I've seen all day is said, <laughs> it's going to sound really bad, so shout out, shout out to the women, sorry. But they said whenever uh, <laughs> you go down on her during her oh, period, yeah. but, she, but, <laughs> but she ain't no bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. Oh man. It's basically like a strawberry shortcake. That thing oh, was dude, red. It was rough. <laughs> red, brother. But the last thing I did kind of want to dabble into as far as the MMA world right now. Uh after Francis Ngannou's quick win. Uh now John Jones and him are just trading shots back and forth online and they both seem to want to do that. Make they both happen. seem to want to make that happen. Make uh, it happen. Hey, Jones doesn't have a lot left to prove at light heavyweight, so this would move not has been it. in discussion for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm definitely interested to see that fight if that does go through. I don't know why John would move up to fight Francis. Not obvious, well, partially obviously for the reasons of nobody should really ever want to fight Francis, but man, 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 John Jones man. is the name that he can go up there and he can get a title shot. Oh, yeah. Right. His first fight can be for a second belt. You've seen guys do it before. John Jones wouldn't be any different. Sure. But I think Jones is kind of at the point in his career where he realizes, yeah, whenever you reach that point in your career, we just saw it with Henry Suda. You reach a certain point in your career where you've kind of reached the highest point that you feel like you can. And, like, John has nothing left to prove at this point. Uh, the question marks that he has in his career, he can't he can't erase. Nope. Uh, he can't get rid of the legal issues. He can't get rid of the USADA issues. He can't get rid of any of that at this point. So all that can happen for John from now on is if he starts to lose, it can go downhill. But he's got nothing left to prove. Uh, and you see guys handle this differently. Some guys just go for big money fights if you can get them. If you can't get them, you get a lot of the Henry Cejudos, where it's just kind of like, all right, cool. Uh, you're not going to pay me. Then Peace out. I've done everything I need to yeah. do. Uh I'm gonna okay. stop getting punched in the face. Yeah, I'm the best. Yeah. I'm bored. Like, yeah, I'm really putting enough that much of a competition. So, see ya. 
Like, come get yeah, me that's... whenever you want a big money fight. But right other on. than that, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm gonna stay healthy and live my life. Have fun. Not be a vegetable in five years. Yeah, yeah, but, dude. That fight yeah. would be insane. It would. It really oh, would. If they could get the money and, right. And, and and here's the thing, though. Like, it, it's it's a great fight because anybody has a puncher's chance between both of them. But like, the thing is, is if it starts going to the to the mat, John Jones is going to dominate that fight. Yeah. And it's yeah, no, there's no disrespecting the, to Francis. It's just point blank facts. Like Stipe took him down and beat him up for God, you know, the entire fight basically. Yeah. So, I mean, if it's like, you know, and then he wants to go and fight Daniel Cormier, like I said, last podcast, I would hope to God that Francis would uppercut him to high heaven to where he is flying out of the octagon and we never have to see him again. But we all the, know Cormier would just try to lay on him and wrestle. Yes, he would take he, him he, down. He, he would dry hump him, Cormier's land about mute. twelve yeah. to twelve to thirteen punches around, and just yeah. make it make it to where he would win in five. Yeah, because Cormier uh, knows I don't want to get punched in the face. He will knock me out. Right. So I'm just going to I mean, Corm- Corm- that way. Cormier's hands have definitely got better on stand up wise, considering what we saw a few years back. If you would have watched him fight a few years back, he'd probably been like, I might as well just go watch you know junior varsity wrestling because yeah. <laughs> this is boring as shit. At least those guys got heart, you know? But now he turns everything around, but it's just like now you got this nice entertainment, probably one of the greatest fighters of all time against one of the biggest and baddest Hard people hit. on the planet yeah. with the hardest hits, the biggest hands, the biggest gloves, highlight reel knockouts. And, like, who wouldn't make that fight? Any matchmaker would make that fight. That's what's, like, the point-blank facts of it. It's just going to be one of those things, like, who the hell knows? Who the hell knows what the future holds? Like like Zach said, John Jones has nothing left to prove. Yes, I know I saw today Chael Sonnen, credit to Chael Sonnen, and he's, even though I hate the guy, but he said, you know, John Jones has a permanent uh, handcuff mark on his wrist because he can't get out, yeah. can't stay out of trouble. And you want to sit there as a fan of him. I, I have a signed glove by him right there over on my bar. But it's, just, it's a simple fact that the dude can't get out of his own fucking way. No. So they can make this fight happen, but he's got to actually show up to that fight. That's the oh, thing. So I got I got two questions for Chase and Chat. Yeah. So first question: If the fight happens, who you got to win? Second question: Do you think in the future, if not very near future, once the UFC and everything and all the sports come back in general, but UFC wise, do you think we'll see more fighter, more big name fighters try to go for? the big money fights are stepping up to get the two belts and two weight classes kind of fights like the McGregor and like how John Jones is doing now. Or do you for think the, everyone for the else second will just kind of stay and just let me contend for my title and be good to go? For, for the second question, we were already there. Yeah, we're already there. We're at yeah. the plateau of it. We're, there's the peak, and then now we're kind of at that level where it's just where it's like we can still go up, but we're still yeah. kind of here. Yeah. It's not. It's, like, it's not. It's not going to go down. Going up or it's, yeah. It's not going to go well, down. It's going to stay slowly. Yeah, slide. it's going to stay stagnant in the middle, and then it's going to. Then you're going to see maybe some superstars that emerge and they jump up and do the same thing, mm-hmm. or people that are like obviously more popular now, like McGregor Jones or or anybody like that. They're going to make right, that yeah. that same move, but there's no lateral movement there. It just stays constant or it goes higher. It right. never goes lower. That's the thing about the UFC, what makes it so great. Now you got like Bellator and all of that. Yeah, they're trying to get stars from other places and everything, but they're just going to go up, down, middle, down, middle, down, up. That's just right. how they go. UFC's done that where, they're, where they have that 
ability to yeah you still have these middle ground fights that little gray area and they're still electric fights and against top quality fighters and then you get those we're going to jump up here and do the mixed division do the super fights super cards all that good shit and that just what makes them so much better and so much the more badder fighters on the planet that's just mm -hmm. my two cents of it uh, so i mean it the super fights are never going to go away. In a way, never. I think it's it's made a lot of entertaining decisions and stuff for the UFC. But I'm I'm fucking tired of some of them. Like, I that shit gets on my nerves because they it used to be in the UFC that you know you put together a winning streak in one division, and that's how you worked your way up. That's that's right. how you got your way up. Right now, you see these guys who, damn, that's how I had that too. But, Ige, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that was a tough fight though. It could have gone either way. Yeah, really could have. Twenty thirty seconds behind you guys. Mm -hmm. He's just now announcing. <laughs> yeah. Well, see about spoiler for your live betting. Ege won by split yeah. decision. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they just announced it right there. Yeah. Uh, great fight though. Oh, it was a good fight. Couldn't, yeah. couldn't go wrong either way. Sorry, dude. Go ahead. No, bad. you're good. Uh, I, I'm, I'm getting to a point where some of this shit, I'm sick of it. Like. These guys are winning their belts and going for a second belt and saying they want to get a second belt before they ever fucking defend it. Like, right. And did I, I'm not bashing on either guy. You guys know that I am a fan of Connor. And I, I think that was just so, like, such an exclamation point on it. Whenever Connor McGregor got a fight against Khabib, like, actually got the fight against Khabib, like, and the, the fight happened at that division, whenever Connor, you know, kind of wasn't. Connor is coming off a big layoff. He's coming off the big boxing thing. It, you got a guy like Tony Ferguson in particular in that weight class who's, at, at that point in time, he had won 10 in a row, I think. Right, right. And why, so why isn't that guy getting it? And, and the answer isn't because of any resume or, well, partially because of resume, because Connor has put in his work. People don't give Connor enough credit for some of the work that he's done out there. Right. But there is one reason on why that fight happened over the guy who put in the work and it's, it's a name, it's money and stuff like that. Yeah. And the UFC used to partially be about that. And the UFC doesn't have to do that all the time. In my opinion, yeah, you got guys who win their second belt and then they go and sit on two fucking divisions. I, I, I hate that shit. Cause like when your belt defend your belt, if you get a lot of defenses to the point where you cleared through your division, the bantamweight division right now. Yeah. Henry Cejudo's gone out there and he's done a lot of great things and he's been a lot of really good fighters. But that division right now, you got guys like Peter Yan, you got guys like Aljamain Sterling, you got all those guys down there who are on huge winning streaks, who are have gone on winning streaks that make them deserve deserving of a title shot. Well, now it never happened. We never went through that ladder. We never went through the ladder of one of them got it. Okay, now here comes another one. Here comes another one. Here comes another one. We never went through that, so now we've got a huge ass argument of, so who gets the next title shot now? Now that Suda is vacating it, who 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 fights for it? It's going to be right. a Sterling and Ham, but it's so unfair for those guys, for guys like Francis and Gano right now. Francis and Gano is probably going to take a fight with John Jones because, it, obviously money. for different reasons, but but it's for him like he's on a winning streak that should get him a title shot, right? But because we can't get Stipe and DC back out there for their third trilogy fight, well, now we're just sitting on it. So now it leaves these guys in positions. It leaves Francis and Ghanu in a position where, do I just not fight? 
Do I just right. not fight and wait for my title shot? Or do I fight, risk losing my spot in division, but still make money and still stay busy? That, that's the position Ferguson is in for a long time. <laughs> you win that many fights in a row against top competition, you should eventually get a title shot. It shouldn't be, okay, so, well, we could, but it's going to fall through, and then just we're going to make you fight somebody else. Like, that stuff shouldn't happen, and it happens a lot because of these super fights, and it happens a lot because of these money fights. Right. My, my least favorite thing in the sport is whenever you see somebody who is willing to fight three times a year, and then they become champion, and suddenly it's, uh, well, I want to fight, but, like, I think I need, like, 12 months to recover. <laughs> <laughs> and... No offense to Michael Bisping. Michael Bisping 100% did that with his belt after he won his belt. He de- he defended against Ben or against Dan Henderson, but then it was, oh God, I'm not sure I can beat that guy or that guy yeah. or that guy. Um, I can't make my fight then because then you wait 12 months and guess what? You were a champion for 12 months. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Wouldn't you love being a champion for a year and you don't have to do oh, shit? Oh hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just I, breaking all the championship bills. Okay, so hey, so speaking of all that, I got I came up with another question. Would you guys rather see a, a champion? I guess Chad. I think I know your answer. Would rather see the champion defend hit their belt multiple times before either going for a big money belt, or would it just be kind of like a okay, you won the belt, you're good, do your own thing you win the belt, you can do that or whatever, or just, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Like, should Dana think more of, okay, no, let's not think about the money. Let's think of just pure entertainment, and I want to see a, the champion be number one for X amount of time, or, like, let, let's see you prove to me that you're the real champion and fight mm-hmm. this person, that person, this person, and if you still win, okay, you deserve this fight or, like, the big-name fight. Sure kind of thing you know oh 100% I feel like they should yeah. have to defend it at least a couple you have times. to you had to and that's the thing like I was gonna say is like if you like if you go up and get that money fight that's fine but after that your next two fights mandatory should be defending the first belt you won and then yes. go from there but yep. but, okay. it, but yep. if it's a thing where you want to stick in the division and you want to defend it a couple more times and let's say that you do let's say you do it in a dominating fashion let's say the first time you do you win by knockout right Let's say the second time it goes to the decision, but you are overwhelmingly beating the shit out of that person or that fighter, and then you want to go chase the money fight. That's perfectly fine. But all I'm saying is, if you want to go, you win the belt, and then you want to go and be a try to be a double belt champ. That's fine. And you yeah. go up. Let's say you go up there and win it, right? Then right. that next two fights have to be mandatory that you do that first belt you won, and then the first two after that are mandatory for that other belt that you hold. So right. you're going to be fighting at least four times a year. And I think that's perfectly fine. Right. You know, because a lot of these yeah, guys, cool. a lot of these guys are not looking to miss a paycheck. I mean, let's be honest here. So if they're fighting three to four times a year and they're defending their belt and making that cash, they don't have to worry about anything else for right. that rest yeah. of the year. You yeah. know? So that's just the way I see it. Like, if you want to get the big money fight, fine. But you mandatory, you have to defend it twice at least next. Like, do the boxing rules. Mandatory, you have to defend your belt at some point. Yep, I, I, I like I that idea a lot. I, I don't feel like guys should be able to go out of their division for these money fights until you've defended. Right. Like, if you're a champion, 
Yeah. Like, TJ Dillashaw, after he won his belt for the second time, he took him from Cody Garbrandt. He defended against Cody Garbrandt in a rematch. After that, he moved down. Right. Which is where this bantamweight thing starts. Right. Like, because TJ Dillashaw wanted to move down and fight Henry Cejudo, this is where this logjam starts. That is the moment this logjam started. He moves down, and here's where this also gets weird. TJ Dillashaw moved down and lost. He still kept his belt. Because he fought at a different weight class. So TJ Dillashaw walks out of there with a 135-pound championship, but he, because he lost a fight at 125 pounds, not only did he lose the fight at 125 pounds, get a medical suspension to where he's not allowed to fight for a while, which means mm-hmm. he's not allowed to defend his 135-pound title for a fight that happened at 125 pounds. <laughs> right. Uh, and then this all goes on and on and on, and then even if he hadn't gotten suspended, uh, th- th- that whole thing is just a disaster. Because then it also just looks terrible that, you know, you could potentially have a guy who fights at, let's say, 145. They win the belt at 145, and then they go try to fight at 155. They lose. They come back down to 145. You come out there and defend your belt. Let's say you defend your belt again. You're on a one-fight losing streak as the champion. <laughs> and the challenger is on, like, a six-fight winning streak. Yeah, that, that makes a lot just of sense. sounds stupid. Yeah. 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 Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. So I, You're on I a losing streak, of, and the I other guys. The out yeah. of division ones. To, to me, if you want to win a belt, you should kind of feel inclined to defend that. Or if there's like, say you win the belt and there's a top contender that you know deserves the fight next. Your story shouldn't be, well, I think I need about six months to recover from this fight. And then I'm going to go fight at another weight class, which is going to be a three-month training camp. And then I'm going to fight that. And then I'm going to need another six months off. But then I'm going to go ahead and fight them. That, that's 15 months where you're making this dude make this decision that isn't fair. Like, right. You're the champion. You should be able to call someone to your shots, but that's just not fair. Like, right. You should be able to go through your division. Israel Adesanya said that, which is, I, I like champions like that. Uh, Tyron Woodley, I'm not the biggest fan of Woodley all the time, but Woodley defended his belt a lot. Woodley was willing to fight whoever was up there, and you know, he, he did it. And he usually came out on top. It, you, you should you should defend your belt. Like, it it just makes more sense. To, to me, it's that simple. Like, yeah. if you if you want if you want the privilege and you want the right and you want to be able to say, "I want a UFC title," it sh- your next thing shouldn't be, "All right, I want out of this division." Like, but I want to keep fight my belt. Up. Like, like, no, sit there. You're gonna fight this guy because they're next in line for the title shot. And if you want to prove you're the best, you're gonna fight him. Then you can go on and. Right. At least defend it once or twice. If you want to be the ba- be the best man of planet in your division, and then move up and be the best man of planet of that other division or whatever the hell else you want to do, or, yeah, but at least defi- at least defend the shit before you yeah. do it. You know, yeah, prove that it yeah, wasn't prove, just a prove yourself first, yeah. and then prove everybody else wrong. Yeah, yeah. a lot of my favorite champions have handled it that way. Max Holloway is a guy who has moved up to a different weight class to take fights, but he did it after he went through those guys that he was supposed to go through. Yeah. yeah. Max Holloway was supposed to beat these guys. He beat them, and then he moved up. And then after it didn't work, he moved back down, which does get into the kind of the point of the. It's kind of weird that Max Holloway is defending his belt against a guy who had a longer winning streak than he did, mostly because he was on a losing streak at that point. <laughs> but yeah, these guys, and then he comes back down, and then he starts taking the fights again. And he just goes right back to it. He takes the Volkanovski fight, which he did not come out on top on. Which is, if you're going to lose your belt, I don't. I get annoyed when these guys kind of lose it because they just 
don't want to fight at their weight class anymore. Like, I love Connor to death, but one thing that's always going to be like kind of a sore spot for me with Connor is Connor's never defended a title in the UFC. Right. Yeah. Right. I, and I know that's not all because of him. I mean, that's a lot of situation in that. But it's a situational I, fight. Everybody, yeah. everybody calls him out directly after that, and regardless, and then he's just like, "I'm gonna take all these fucking fools' heads off," and that's it. Yeah, but and it's, it's not time. as serious. Some people say, where some people say right. he's ducking people. He's not ducking. He's, always, he's not he's, ducking anybody. <laughs> he, he's always moved to fights that you know are still tough fights. He's not yeah. handpicking fights, but I, I get, I get relatively annoyed when these guys want to walk around. I, who was it that had the quote that you're not a champion until you defend your belt? I, I loved that. That has stuck with me forever because, yeah, you can win your title, but if you never defend it and you sit on it and you make a division wait for 18 months, 24 months, whatever the number is, you're not a real champion at that point. <laughs> yeah, because by then it's like irrelevant almost. Yeah, if, if you win your belt and you want to move on to another weight class, you should give up your belt. Yeah. That, that, that's my opinion on it. Unless you get the guys who have ran through the division. Whenever Daniel Cormier moved up to try to get his second belt, Daniel Cormier had beaten the people he needed to beat by heavyweight. I, and that, that's, that's the situation. He moved up because what am, I, what am I supposed to do down here? I've beaten these guys, some of them multiple times. Mm-hmm. What, what's next for me? Okay, I haven't fought this guy. Yeah, he's the next weight class up, but I haven't fought him. Let's go do it. Right. To me, that, that's how you should become a double champ. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, to me, Cormier 100% deserved to be a double champ in that situation. Amanda Nunes 100% deserved to be a double champ in that situation. Because Amanda Nunes is also defending both belts, too. To me, she's my favorite double champ because she's defended 135 and 145. She alternates. Yeah. She takes one fight at each. And also, she has a penis. <laughs> now, now, now. I'll give her credit. She cracked me up on Twitter. Somebody said she had a penis on Twitter, and she said, if I had a penis, it wouldn't be that hard to get my wife pregnant. <laughs> Which congratulations, True. congratulations to her uh, and uh, Nina Ansaroff, 115 pound woman fighter. Uh, they are a couple, and Nina is now pregnant, uh, oh, not okay. with Amanda's penis, with somebody else's. <laughs> sure, <laughs> we'll go with that logic. <laughs> but that that shit cracked me up. Amanda, that was, you yeah, that's penis. Good. If I had a penis, I would be able to get Nina pregnant by now. <laughs> yeah. All right. What my time. last my last question. And then we can end it. Sorry, I just thought of it. No, you're good. Chat, bringing you're up good. the Connor situation. So if if we were to see another fighter like Connor that has there worked his be, way up but through, go on. well, yeah, they're, they're you know it's Connor is like the, the only Connor. There's the only one. Yeah, there's only one. I know. Yeah, I know Connor is like pretty much the you could call him the the Mike Trout or the Michael Jordan slash LeBron James or. Tom Brady of the UFC or whatever, but if 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 we did see another McGregor come up and he you know starts at the bottom, works his way up, proves himself. Okay, this guy's pretty damn good. Let's give him a shot, and then gets his shot, and then from that point on, like Connor does, he literally picks his fights where it's like, okay, I'm fighting this guy, then I'm fighting this guy, then I'm going to go box, and then I'm going to come back and then fight this guy while you know, holding two belts, like chat just said, and not defend them. Do you think if just once again, if that would ever to happen, would it still be like that? Or do you think Dana would kind of th- think, or the committee would think, okay, we saw this once. 
mm-hmm. how about we pull on the purse strings a little bit and say, no, just you fight and defend one of your two titles. Defend your title, then you pick your another fight. And then let them pick that fight, then go back. Okay, then defend the other title, then pick another fight kind of thing. So are you asking if there's another person that would do that or just in well, general? I, I think he's acting. I think he's asking like if this does come around again. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I, I, think, I think it, I think it will. I think it will. Yeah. It's just, uh, I mean, there's like, like we said earlier, there's only one Connor. Connor can do that. You know, Connor, Connor is, the, the he has the money. And if he, he's saying he's yes. going to fight, it's going to bring yes. in millions and millions and millions of people. And he talks a lot of shit. He does. But at the same time, but that brings about, in, about, you know? about 98% of the time, he's backed it up. Exactly. He never, he never yeah. shot away yeah. from a challenge. He never ducked anybody. Yeah, he took some L's, but he took it against, you know, people he was not afraid of. And that's no. the thing. Yeah. And, and a lot of guys, a lot of, gonna yeah. And here's the thing. A lot of guys nowadays, sure, they'll call out the entire fucking division if they want to and saying they're going to defend it. But then here's what happens. They won't fight for another six months because they're ducking the top people in front of them. And that's the thing. And that's what revolutionized the UFC and made them. I mean, yes, they were already top dog, but they were kind of they were fading a little bit. They weren't like having as much pre like the pay-per-view vibes. They weren't having as much success with people, new fight fans and people coming in. And then here comes Connor, you know, a new age guy. He's loud. He says what he feels. He's got he's got the three-piece suits on he, he, he said he's got i got the fuck you money I, i'm gonna put it in your face and i'm gonna knock you the fuck out and that's yeah. a guy that you want to see you might love him and you might hate him and that's fine but you're gonna still watch him and i feel yeah. like a lot of people a lot of fighters nowadays are gonna are gonna take that whole situation and make it their stick too and try to revive themselves and make more money but there's only one guy that can do it. Connor did it, but I do see it in the future. I do see it happening, but I do feel like Dana White's going to have that little pick and choose of who he's going to make his guy. I will right. say that. Yeah. He's going to have that. Yes, here. he's going to have that pick and choose like Vince McMahon did with WWE. He had to pick and yep. choose of who he wanted as his guy, even back in the day, now, and all that. But Dana White's going to have that, and he's going to be very, very, very extremely picky because Connor was a trendsetter and he will be a trendsetter for days to come. You know, that's the way I see it, but it still will happen. Yes, I agree with that. It'll just be a little bit different, different yep. landscape. That makes sense. So the, the, the big situation there, I think Chase just largely nailed it on the head is as a fan, we can sit there and be aggravated. That these guys aren't taking the fights that we feel like they should take. But you want to know who isn't aggravated about that? Those guys who made a lot of money off of that stuff. Exactly. Dana White has made a lot of money off of it. Whenever the Fertitas ran this, the Fertitas didn't seem to care. They, the the Fertitas made a point that if you wanted to fight here and you wanted to be a champion and you wanted to be the best in the world, fucking prove it. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then ownership changed, do. and ownership has now gone to the point where a lot of places do, where it's just kind of like, yeah, we want you to be the best in the world. But wow, you make a lot more money when you do this. <laughs> and. Yeah, it, it's worked. I don't feel like they see what anything they've done is wrong, and in ways it isn't because they're still putting on entertaining fights, which is what this is all about. Right. But to to me, the titles have lost a little bit of relevance toward things. It's lost to its luster. It's lost yeah, its yeah. luster. It, a the little ultimate bit. goal for a lot of these guys is to still get the title, but I, I think guys are just cool with that at that point. Like I, right. And then you, you get it, and you're just kind of like, all right, cool. I reached my dream. Yeah, and that's uh, it. That, that shouldn't be where that stops. Like that, it should. 
eventually it should become about money and you want to make as much money as you can in the process. I will never bash anybody for trying to make money. I, I will never people and bash these guys in other sports or really any sport out there for wanting to get more, as much money as they can mm-hmm. as if they wouldn't do the same thing. Like I, I, I've always viewed it as that you want to get mad at this guy because no, I want $36 million a year whenever they're only offering 31. You, you want to be mad at those guys. Cause then you want to say, Oh, it's only $5 million, only $5 million. <laughs> Yeah. So you mean to tell me if one person told you you're worth 36 and somebody offered you 30 or 31, you wouldn't be like, well, this guy feels like I should make this much. That sounds like a lot bigger number. Like, you mean to tell me that wouldn't be everybody in the entire world in that situation? I always get so aggravated when I see people getting mad at shit like that. Like, because, like, you know, all of them would be doing the same thing. Like, that's just, that's human nature. You want as much money as you can make. But I think the UFC has gotten to a point where they value entertainment a little bit more than they value the true mm-hmm. moralities kind of the sport anymore, which is that's fine in a way, but it still does get annoying when you see certain champions do it the wrong way. Connor's done a better than all. Some of them have too, because Connor's always made it a point to try to put on entertaining fights, and he's always came out there and he's always shown up and he's always gone out there against kind of the top competition, and. I think the UFC's protected them a little bit at certain points. They have, uh, but it's protecting yeah. their investment. That's the yeah. old old adage, the old saying they're going to protect their investment. Exactly. Like, so, nothing wrong yeah, with that. It, when people give Conor crap for not wanting to fight Gaethje, Conor wants to fight Gaethje. If you ask Conor McGregor, he would say yes to fight Justin Gaethje. But the, the UFC views that as a situation where you know, that's, a, that's a fragile kind of situation, so they're going to... They're going to do what they can to give Connor the best fights possible and put out the most entertaining fights possible, while also securing their money, securing their, securing the cash they want to get out of it, and that's how the sport. That's what the sport's kind of turning into. It's just money, and know, as long as it keeps the sport around, I don't really fucking care. But I, I would like to see some morality on some of these guys. Right. If you win a belt and you talk all that shit on your way up, you talk about how. My dream is to be the best 145-pounder, 155, 170, whatever the number is. My goal is to be the best one of that all time. And then you get the belt, and you're just suddenly like, all right, cool, I'm the best one of all time now. You are? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like the, t- the hardest fight that you had, you won, which is good for you. But what's next? Like, You, you want to go beat up guys at a different weight class? That doesn't make you the best. Beating up guys at 145 pounds doesn't make you the best 135-pound fighter of all time. <laughs> Yeah, true. But that's not how that works. Like, it, some logic in there would be cool. Like, yeah, if I can beat up all these 155 pounders, then people are going to view me as the best 170 pounder. Are they? Like, yeah, that, that's just yeah. kind of where I stand on it. I, I just want to see entertaining fights at the end of the day, like a lot as as, as everybody does. But the, the the belt has lost a lot of its luster. Right. Like like Chase said, that's that's the perfect wording for that. Particularly the interim titles, you can win an interim title for fucking anything now. Yeah. You're in the right place at the right time, and you get an, you get an interim title shot. Like you, you're supposed to fight on a night whenever somebody who's done significantly more work in the division fights, but they miss weight. Magically, you can get an interim title shot just because you're yeah. there. Ally Quinta. Um. Anyways, <laughs> Ally Quinta literally got an interim title shot because what happened? The, the, that was the Ferguson knee. Never Ferguson hurt his knee, wasn't it? Uh, yes, yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. You see stuff like that, and, and it is what it is. 
It's what it is. True that. Well, it's been an exciting episode tonight, fellas. I thought like Trace fell asleep there to see his head bobbing up <laughs> and down. I'm so <laughs> close. You know, I'm so close. Uh, no, no, he was out, but that's all right. Oh Nothing my goodness. With- that's He's like, let me get through that. my NBA thing, and then I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> yeah, you don't take a snooze. But, uh, I'm my, yeah, yeah, no kidding. No, but it was, an elect- it was an electric episode, gentlemen. We had a good time. We had a lot of good conversations. We had our awesome list. We went over to fight game, everything in between. But, uh, you know, join us next week. We'll have this one up uh, sometime tomorrow, uh, which would be Sunday. You know, Lord's Day. Sunday, Bless Sunday, up. Sunday. Bless up, yep. So we'll have it up then, but uh, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everything in between. If you don't already, uh, you should, yeah, but if you decide not to, then fuck you. Uh, that's that's on your record because you're missing out. Uh, that Andre is your Bacall- decision. You're entitled to your own opinion, but it's wrong. <laughs> yes, exactly. But you are wrong. And I have two words for you. Or no, wait. Sorry. Yes, three words for you. You're a fucking <laughs> idiot. Hey, man, preach it, brother. So that's anyway, but... That's four. Well, <laughs> no, no, be, no, because if you don't have to. Hey, I didn't fuck up the time. Apostrophe An idiot. You're a, you're a fucking idiot. There you're we go. Forward. Fucking idiot is four, though. I don't care. Hey, it's West by God, Virginia, even though we, no, Chase is in North Carolina. But still, we, they still we combine words. We ain't here you're to a, school. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we I ain't here to school. Here to school. I'm here to make podcasts, make a living. <laughs> No, but anyway, like I said, follow us if you don't. That's that's your opinion. But you're you. a <laughs> you're idiot. a <laughs> you're a, an idiot. Why you are exactly you're a you're an idiot or a fucking idiot. There we go. I so, mean. but anyway, all right. Check us next time. We'll see you.